On today's show, reacting to and discussing the latest in Padres news, including Xander Bogarts moving to second base, which is crazy, the possibility of extending Hassan Kim, interim chairman Eric Kusenza's comments regarding the Padres' future and spending, and answering some of your listener questions and comments. Oh yeah, it's a big show. Happy Monday, everybody. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, February 19th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but I promise you certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you only want Padres content starting to ramp that account up you know what i mean we're getting into the thick of it folks we're, we're getting into the the vibes of spring trading and soon opening day it's gonna be here right before you know it i'm telling you i'm telling you mark my words and also lockdown padres on youtube to see my radiant hair uh that is as poofy as ever don't worry the haircut's coming soon as soon as i stop being lazy um go check that out and also be sure to leave some of your comments or questions if you want to be featured in the Padres Mailbag Monday sort of thing that we started last week. And we will be answering some of the questions and comments that I receive via DM and on YouTube. So this will be a fun episode, guys. I am very excited. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, it's funny because right after last episode, go check it out, I talked about Xander Bogart's need to bounce back and a little bit of slander towards Trey Turner. And right after I published that episode, like right after, maybe like an hour and a half, two hours later, it came out that... Xander Bogarts is moving to second base. So that will be the first item on our list to discuss today, folks. Um, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But also, folks, remember today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $150 of bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Mm. Let's get started, folks. This was, look, it's not like a news bomb on the level of like, this isn't like a, an atomic bomb of news, but it was even still pretty big. Um, and that is the announcement that Xander Bogarts is going to be moving to second base. Um, via Dennis Lynn of The Athletic, Xander Bogarts, the shortstop, the San Diego Padres signed last offseason to an 11-year, $280 million contract, will play second base this year. Manager Mike Schultz said Friday, Hasa Kim will return from second base to shortstop. The position the Utility Gold Glove Award winner primarily and impressively played in 2022. Um, another thing that this article gets into is that it highlights that Xander Bogarts is all in, uh, which is really, really cool, and it's a really big deal for him. He basically said, like, how about instead of us doing this thing where eventually I'll change positions, how about we just get that started now? Um, there was a little bit of a nod uh, at the end of the article mentioning how, like, Maybe he should have been told earlier in the spring, maybe earlier in the offseason, that he should take more grounders at second base and prepare himself for that rather than starting a little bit now. But, hey, better late than never. And this good attitude, I will say, it's also a lot easier to have a good attitude, let's just be honest, after you just got paid a bag, uh, that 11-year contract. So I don't think that this is necessarily, like, some super altruistic thing, but it may still help the Padres. Because um, Xander Bogarts, I will say, is not, like, as talented a defensive player as Hassan Kim is. Hassan Kim at shortstop was 
if not for, I believe it was Dansby Swanson, who's like the best glove at short outside Francisco Lindor in the National League, Hassan Kim probably would have won the gold glove that year at shortstop, and he might have two right now. So that's really great. Kim can play all over the place, though. Uh, that's what's so great about him is his defense is genuinely like a, a, a thing to behold. Um, as someone who's seen it in person a couple times, it really is amazing. So moving him there, and Bogarts is like, at worst, slightly below average, right? If you look at defensive runs saved last year, he was in the negative, but an outs above average and showing off the range. He was actually pretty solid there. Um, but I think he could still be effective at second base. I do. Um, to me, this story, though, is more about just, I like that they're making a change of some sort. I think that's cool. I think it's always cool when a team that struggles like they did last year, you bring in a new manager like Mike Schilt, and they're saying, let's get this on. We think he could be good at second base. And maybe even, what if Xander Borgars is a better second baseman than shortstop? Heck, we just had this last year with Fernando Tatis Jr., where he moved from shortstop, a position that I wasn't as down on everybody else talking about it as others, but it certainly needed some work. And you saw him move to right field and won a platinum glove. So maybe this will be even better. Maybe we know what we'll get out of Kim at shortstop, and then... Xander Bogarts can transition and be like a gold glove caliber second baseman. Who knows, right? Like, that's totally in the cards, and that would be an electric development for the Padres. Um, it's really exciting. I do, however, not think do not think that this fix the, fixes the overall problem. And the overall problem, which I've been obnoxiously pestering everyone who listens to this show about for a few weeks now, is that this my thing about Hassan Kim isn't that I wanted him at short. My thing about Xander Bogarts is that I didn't want him off short. That's not my thing. My thing is we still have the Jake Cronenworth issue because I see a lot of people celebrating. Well, look, like, you know, this is great because Kim is the real best defensive shortstop. Well, I would like to take that same energy with Jake Cronenworth, who, once again, I must bring up, had 4.2 F4 for two separate seasons, including the season when his bat went down in 2022. And then you moved in the first base and the defensive value wasn't there. So that is why or at least another big reason why I was thinking of trading Hassan Kim, because of the free agency, and because of the fact that whatever you get back in return, you're also technically getting Jake Cronenworth in return, at least in my opinion. Instead of trying to bury that contract and just forget about it, or trade him or what else, it's like, let's try and salvage it. What if he's a four-win player at second? What if um, Bogarts is a, a five-win player at short, right? Like, what if his bat comes back, he starts driving in more runs? It's really the only thing that really, you know, his his stats from afar aren't that bad it's from last year. It's just that he didn't drive anybody in. Um, as, I, as, I, as I noted on the podcast uh, from Friday, like, Gary Sanchez had only, like, 10 less RBIs than him in, like, 100 less games. So, again, crazy stuff, right? So, that's where I'm at, is that I don't think this solves the problem, but it is still cool, and it's a nice change-up. And a bold new direction already to start with with new manager Mike Schilt. So that's very exciting. Um, I don't think it fixes the problem. But who knows? Maybe Xander Bogarts is awesome at second base. Maybe he's going to transition and be there better. Maybe this will help his, his abilities to age better. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of interesting things that go around this. And again, I will say a lot easier to be all in on this once you got your bag. I think that for Xander Bogarts, is it possible Um that he was playing shortstop all these years just because that is the position that gets paid more? Yes, absolutely, because shortstops are regarded usually as the highlight captain of the defense, outside catcher, and like the, the most athletic players, right? It's similar to, say, people who think Soto should be a DH. It's like, yeah, he probably should, 
but also he's not going to get paid nearly as much if he's a DH. So that's why he's still playing outfield, and that's why Boris won't allow him to move off. So it's a little bit similar to that, but Bogarts got paid, so he's like, hey, well, whatever. Like, it's not like anything could happen to me. So um, still really cool, though. Cool to see that everyone seems to be on the same page with Mike Schill, at least at an early start. But that's not all of the news, ladies and gentlemen. It's not all of the news. <laughs> not even close. Not even close, ladies and gentlemen. The next piece of news that I want to talk about really quickly is Eric Kutsenda, who was named the temporary uh, chairman after Peter Seidler's uh, death um, this past year, um, RIP, of course, um, says the Padres will continue Seidler's vision, but the future remains hazy. That is an article from Dennis Lynn at The Athletic. Um, look, in terms of new ownership, I think that there's a lot of questions right now. I do like the investment in the new lab that they did a few weeks ago. That was really cool. Um, just have something going at that college, I believe. I forgot where it was, but don't get me wrong, that's really cool. But um, in quotes from this uh, Dennis Lynn Athletic piece, there's a lot of alignment around where we're headed, what our objectives are for the year, Kutsenda says. A lot of excitement, a lot of talk about continuing Peter's vision for what this team can be and should be, not only for itself, but also for the city of San Diego. Eric Gruffner was also talking about this too. And... As Dennis Lennon mentions in his article, still, Kutsenda and Gruppner's 10-minute media address, this was on Friday, came amid the start of a decidedly different spring. Despite a third consecutive year of increased season ticket prices, the front office over the winter traded away star hitter Juan Soto and lowered payroll, according to Fangrass, from $255 million to $159 million. The Padres, after multiple seasons of significantly leveraged investments, have committed to a plan to return to compliance this season with Major League Baseball's debt service rules. And Saturday, unlike a year ago, there was no soaring rhetoric from ownership about a full-fledged World Series pursuit. So, again, this is this is tough. And, and as Kunsenda says later, I think we went into the year with the view of assembling talent and balance for the team. Payroll's an op- output of that. So, here's the thing. I do not think that after Peter Seidler's death, they're going to be so bold and so in-your-face about, ha, you know, like, we're not going to be spending anymore. Now we don't have him in charge. So that was his thing, and this isn't our thing. Our thing's going to be more business. I think it's hard to say. I do think that that point about how they didn't roar about the championship rhetoric um, is important. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want it. Just because you don't say it publicly, right? Maybe they're trying to be a little bit more low-key, try not put too much pressure and too much spotlight on this team. That's totally possible. Um, look, this is this is such a complicated discussion, right? I think that on the one hand, um, it's a non-story, in my opinion, because... This is more of like a we'll see potentially at the trade deadline or until next offseason because I do believe that this free agent class is actually not that good. So I actually don't blame Padres manager for saying let's chill out for a little bit. Um, so, again, it's very difficult to view all this, but it is true that when you go down from the payroll and when your season ticket prices are still up, it is worrisome. If you look at the Boston Red Sox the past few years, their season ticket prices went up despite giving away the best player, Mookie Betts, that they'd had since Pedro Martinez, right? Like they literally traded away that guy because they were cheap and then got like a slapdick prospect and in, in the wise words, the immortal words of Blake Snell and just some sort of random other pieces, right? Uh, most of which aren't on the team anymore. I don't think any of the pieces they got back now from the Mookie Betts trade are on the team anymore. So you look at that and there's reason to be suspect. In my opinion, though, you have to wait just a little bit. Um, and I am wondering because I've said before, well, they kind of can't not pay if they don't want to because you have Bogarts, Darvish, Musgrove, Cronenworth, Tatis, Manny, all these guys being paid that it's like, well, they're going to be in a at least top 
you know, 15 of payroll, at least for the foreseeable future, just because of those contracts. Um, so it'd be kind of weird not to. But then again, maybe they're going to take that as a reason to be like, okay, well, there's your money. You spent it already, so we're done now, um, which isn't a good thing. However, the good thing is the Padres are still spending. They're in a very unique position, unlike other teams, where they are still adding and they still have talent and they still have a lot of signs that they're trying to compete now. But again, I still think it's a little bit of a non-story until we get to next offseason, which is the offseason that a few weeks ago was discussed and reported as like, that's what they want to do. They want to splurge next offseason because they like it more. And hey, the Dodgers did the same thing. Dodgers didn't spend last year, and then they splurged like crazy this offseason. So maybe the Padres are taking a, a note out of the Padres play or the Dodgers playbook. So I guess we'll just have to see. But that's not all for the news and notes, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about another report that came out involving one Hassan Kim. Dare I say the superstar, most interesting person to talk about uh, on this podcast, guys. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about someone who is just like Hassan Kim. And that is the always reliable attribute that he has. And that comes in the form of FanDuel. When it comes to making your bets, FanDuel is the place to go. Ladies and gentlemen, look, football is over. You might have heard. I mean, you definitely probably heard. The Super Bowl was the most watched event since the moon landing. Crazy, right? But anyway, basketball is kicking in high gear, ladies and gentlemen. March Madness is coming up. If you're like me, you've been watching the women's uh, game and enjoying just the, the, the grace, the magnificence of Caitlin Clark. But also, NBA All-Star Weekend just came to an end, and the NBA season is rolling around. And they've got bets on all these things, folks. If you're a hoops head... Don't worry. They got you covered over here. Uh, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if you win or um, win. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I, I messed up my my, my uh, ad read here. Not my finest showing. What can I say? $150 if you win that bet. That's really cool. And it's just $5, so you get $150. Bucks and bonus bets, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and much more. And again, I'm telling you, just bet on some Victor Webanyama stats because that dude can stuff the stat sheet on everything. Seemingly, you want to bet on over four blocks, you have a decent chance at that. I'm telling you, that's that's what I've been looking at lately. But again, guys, go visit FanDuel.com/slash/lockedon and shoot your shot, folks. That's what you gotta do. You gotta shoot your shot. It's important. Absolutely, do that. Go do that, ladies and gentlemen. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Locked Up Padres podcast, talking about some of the news and notes over the last week. And honestly, those first two stories were big. But another one, ladies and gentlemen, and I got a lot to talk about on this one. So let's get into it. Ah. <sighs> This coming from Kevin AC, a report by him. Then again, the team plans to try, in, I'm just quoting one part from the article. Then again, the team tra- plans to try to re-sign Hassan Kim and make him their permanent shortstop. Ooh, where do I start? First of all, I want to once again say I love Hassan Kim. He's one of my favorite players on this team. And if you need proof, literally go look at some of my articles over at JustBaseball.com, a place that I contribute to and where you can find some of my baseball-related work. I wrote about him being the Padres X-Factor. He's one of my favorite players on the team. I've been in on the Hassan Kim trade of glory and divine heaven for years now. I was I was pro him when they first brought him over. I was even more pro him after that first rookie year, right? Because I thought that he wasn't given an opportunity, and look what happened. My issue here with this news is that, in my opinion, and it's actually funny that there were um, some comments, if you read at The Athletic, defending A.J. Preller in the comments of the um, chairman um, piece. 
kind of defending him and talking about like, well, it wasn't his fault that the team, you know, couldn't win one run games. It's like, okay, okay. This is why I was on board with the idea of leaving Preller. Um, or at least I should say dismissing Preller, moving on, whatever, whatever the terminology you prefer. Because this just shows me that there just is not a like foresight into beyond the ver- like what's right in front of you. Because if you had Hassan Kim, who had a really good season after 2022, and your reaction is to sign Xander Bogarts when you already have him that could be your shortstop, and then you move Tatis to right field, and then you also extend Cronenworth, and now you also want to extend Hassan Kim. This just shows me that you're kind of just taking whatever's right in front of you, and there's some good value to that. Do not get me wrong. Sometimes you don't want to be the ever planner who just kicks the can down the road and never splurges at least a little bit and makes an investment in some good players. I get that. But at the same time, it's like you moved off of Bogarts after one year. I'm not saying Preller did. I'm saying like the Padres, whatever, whoever made the decision. And now Hassan Kim is a shortstop. Why did you extend Cronenworth? Why, if you were really comfortable and liked Hassan Kim so much, did you sign Xander Bogarts to an 11-year deal when you could have just waited and extended Hassan Kim for probably a lot less and for less years? That's just how it would have shit panned out. And by the way, it should. Xander Bogarts has been like a 4-1 player almost every year of his career for like seven years lately. So he's, he, that's why he costs so much, right? It just shows me and reminds me that Preller is not thinking enough about the future. Um, I would not want this to happen. Be- only because I just don't like that too much of the team is extended and that you don't have enough younger players in salary to balance that out or at least proven young players. I would wait a little bit on this. You know what I mean? That's what I would do. I would wait. And don't get me wrong, I love Hassan Kim, but I've said it before, out of the three options of extend Cronenworth, extend Kim, or do neither, I would do neither. Right, That would be one of my things because I just don't think that I want to extend utility players right now because of all the money you have tied up in Manny, Bogarts, and Tatis. Now, if you didn't have Bogarts and you didn't extend Cronenworth, yeah, we can talk about extending Hassan Kim. And then you would have Cronenworth who, even if he continues to struggle, it's like, well, he's not hurting us because he's still got a couple arbitration years left. Maybe we could trade him. I actually think he would have great value if he wasn't extended right now. Genuinely. I, I really do. I think Cronenworth would have like some really interesting value right now. Um but that's not what happened. So as a result, my thing is just, we talked about this all off season, and that's, we're doing the same thing over and over again. And that's just spending big on all these players that come into our laps that we're excited about, and then not thinking about the future implications and not thinking about the lack of roster flexibility that this team has. You know, it would feel really good if, say, you know, you didn't have all these long-term deals that make it a lot harder for you to extend people and or sign free agents and or just get milled to your free agents. So that's my issue with this news. And I really do think that it shows that they're like, oh, wow, he really is good. I guess extend him too. And it's like, well, why didn't you leave open the possibility that he could be great? And instead of shelling out that money for Xander or Cronenworth, you said, let's wait a little bit and then you can try extending him after last year. And then I bet you if they did, we'd be a lot more excited to be like, okay, cool. So it's Tatis and Manny and and Kim. You know, like I just think that you're you can't just keep extending guys. You know what I mean? Look around baseball, that's not really how teams win. 
they have some middle tier contracts in there. Not everybody for long term and for a large swath of money, right? And for a team that hasn't won more than eighty nine games since AJ probably took over, this is just like the just a greater example of what I'm talking about with why I'm upset with Prowlers. I just don't think that there's any vision here. And I like Hassan Kim. I think that, if anything, this report shows that probably not getting traded um, unless they're trying, unless there's some weird, you know, chicanery behind the scenes. Maybe there's some politics to this where they want it to get out there. That way teams think they don't have as much leverage and that the Padres really don't have to trade him, right? They want to do, it's like a wink thing where it's like, hey, we're putting this out there that way, you know. That could be it, but otherwise, it's frustrating to me. But that's all I'm going to say about that because I imagine we're going to be hearing more about this later on. Um, in other news, some little bit of side things, uh, some little uh, fun things to close this out, guys. Uh, Rob Manfred is stepping down in 2029. Pretty crazy. Uh, and I didn't lead the show with that because it's not Padres, but it's probably the biggest overall story. Um, Rob Manfred has received a lot of criticism, almost entirely warranted, especially with the lockout, especially with teams. And in my opinion, it's hard not to view this in light of what's been going on with the A's as something to do with the A's. You know, I don't know what it is exactly. It's weird to say so early on that you're going to be stepping down. I don't know. It's just a weird vibe to me. I don't understand this story fully. Um, But just to harp on the A's thing, I do think it says a lot that the A's might not even be moving to Oakland. And they basically just spit in the face of their fan base for 25 years and then took a dump on them last year. And now it's like the mayor of Vegas is like, yeah, uh, no, like go find us some money then first. This is a guy who has never proven that he's going to spend money. So why would you bring in a baseball team that, first of all, is a baseball team? Let's just be honest, guys. It's a baseball team. It doesn't have the same reach necessarily and isn't the same it as a basketball team or especially a football team. And also they're a 60 win team that got no return for all the stuff that they dumped a few years ago in the fire sale. No return. They have no prospects, guys. Trust me. Nothing. There's nothing there. So in a sport that takes a long time to rebuild, I wonder if people are just looking at this like, why would we take this team? This is a 60-win team at most, and it's not going to be any better for like four to five years. So I'm actually wondering how this is going, and I'm wondering if maybe that has anything to do with Manfred where owners are looking at this like, how did you let this happen? It's an embarrassment for the sport. Why do? You, how do you not figure this out beforehand? You know what I mean? Before making a move and before taking that like just marching band of of stepping on everyone in that band stepping on the Oakland A's fan base which again I remind you whenever people talk about it, and whenever you hear baseball and news and reporters mainstream wise talk about this stuff remember the A's fan base it dissipated it slowly atrophied because the ownership was toxic and it actively never spent money the Moneyball A's they're great you know what would have been great if you spent a little bit more because their top three pitchers were like you know, Blake Snell's Cy Young season, but like there was three of them, you know? So all you had to do was spend a little bit of money and they probably would have won the World Series. So even when they've been good, ownership has actively destroyed them. And that's why the fan base has atrophied, like I said. So again, that's what I'm looking at for that. Really interesting stuff. Um, but guys, we'll see. We'll see, ladies and gentlemen. And now we have one more segment that we're getting into, and that is your questions. Folks, I love answering your questions. It's a lot of fun. It makes me happy. It makes me happy knowing that people care about what I say. Some of your comments. And I will be reading, by the way, the mean ones. There's no mean ones today, but I, hey, if you leave something mean, oh, I will I will expose you on this here podcast, guys. But before we get into that, I want to take one more second to talk about another sponsor for our episode today, and that is eBay. What do you need to win it all, man? 
You need passion. You need drive. And you need patience. AJ Peller should learn something about that last one. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die vehicle alive, ladies and gentlemen. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. It's really great. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part, get this, is guaranteed to fit. <laughs> See what they did there? Guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Really cool stuff. They have like this blue, like a check mark system that'll show you if it works for your vehicle. So don't worry about like being like, oh yeah, I think it's the XC20Z calculator, you know, wrench. I don't, I don't know car parts that well. But, you know, like. Don't don't worry. They got you covered on that part too. You're not going to be buying stuff that, that doesn't actually fit your vehicle. They help you out with that as well. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP car that drives you home after the World Series when the Padres are lifting the trophy. Because you're going to have to go home at some point, right? After you're done partying, well, you're going to have to drive home and you're going to have eBay Motors to thank for that sweet ride that you're rocking as you're relishing in the Friar Faithful extravaganza. Uh, anyway, guys, seriously, though, keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. You can still go check that out. Mm-mm-mm. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the Lockdown Padres podcast the waning moments of the podcast folks let's keep it going really quickly i want to mention uh, i actually put this down in my notes beforehand carrie miller of bleacher report um put out an article just talking about the 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 deals that could become the worst contracts in baseball or just the deals that are the worst contracts in baseball and xander bogress was on that and i just want to reiterate once again now trey turner was on that article too but he wasn't viewed nearly as poorly and i'm like look this article also had Tatis as an honorable mention, so take it all with a grain of salt. Albeit, he did make a good point about how backloaded Tatis's contract is. But I'm just saying, don't take all this hatred against Andrew Bogarts too personally. Um, I know that a lot of Padres fans aren't fully in on the guy after last year, but even still, don't worry about all that. Let's get into listener questions, folks. And let's start with a little bit of fun one that I actually answered already in the comments of the YouTube post, but I wanted to bring it up anyway because I think it was a nice question. Um, from at Tina Greenwood, 4510, sorry to bring up a possibly stupid, and in parentheses, old question, but I am a relatively new-ish Padres fan. Welcome. And wishing you all the luck, because it can be tough out here sometimes. And never heard the answer, so here goes. Can you tell me what happened with Jorge Alfaro? Again, not totally up on the numbers game of MLB, so bear with me, please. He seemed to come in clutch in 2022. Two, in parentheses, two games I attended, he was amazing. And then, gone. Picked up by the Red Sox for like five minutes and gone. Was it his skills? Was it something else in the Padres clubhouse? Sorry for my ignorance. Love the podcast. Learning a lot. Can't wait for the 2020 or fourth season. Thanks, Javier. LFGSD with the like heart hands and then a couple other emojis that my computer didn't pick up, including a square, probably a brown square, you know, because Padres colors in a baseball. Um, Fun question. Thank you, Tina, for for pointing that out. Um, we love Jorge Aparo, first of all, on this podcast. You are not alone. You are with friends. You are with family. We all love him. Basically, to sum it up, he's one of the least disciplined super athletes that the sport has seen in a while. Like this guy's huge. He's super strong, and he's very very fast. Um, like this is this is a guy that I believe one year actually stole like 
15 bases, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty insane for a catcher. I'm going to look that up real quick, but let me see here how many bases he stole. He stole... Okay, so he didn't steal... He only stole eight bases, really? With the Marlins that one good year? That's odd. Well, he is fast. That's all I know. Is he is a very fast player. He's a really good athlete, but he's one of the most undisciplined. If you look at his strikeout rates every year, this is a guy... 47.1% his rookie year, whatever, that doesn't count. His lifetime average is 34%, and he's only got a 4.2% walk rate, so that's a problem. His defense wasn't good enough. And then most importantly, when I talk about strikeouts, there is no player in the history of Major League Baseball with a higher swinging strike rate, i.e., he swings at everything. And if you watched him that year, he swung at everything. However, you are also not wrong. He was super clutch. And this is what's fun about baseball, which is why he's going to be such a beloved Padre. He became the first Padres player ever with four walk-off RBIs in a single season. That's right. He, not Tony Gwynn, not Steve Finley, not Ken Caminetti. For some reason, this guy had a randomly just abnormal and probably fluky clutch season. And that was what was so fun about him, right? Like, that's that's why he's going to be so beloved. He had a 122 WRC plus that year in high leverage situations. Like, Look, these things can happen sometimes, which is why I keep in mind, guys, like you can trip upon players like this that just have that one good sort of role for you. And not to mention they still had some other catcher, you know, things they brought it. You know, they had Austin Nola at points like it was a two catcher thing. But that that, that would be basically my way of explaining it, is he just had an abnormally clutch year. Uh, and it wasn't going to happen again. I mean, he hit the walk-off home run against his former team, and his former team threw him the one pitch you shouldn't be throwing him, which was like a, a hanging... I don't even know if it was a breaking ball. I can't even remember what he what he was throwing. Uh, people would have to look that up and get back to me. But, you know, he walked off against the Marlins. He walked off against all these teams, and it was fun. And he had, had the uh, let's effing go San Diego comments after the game, and that's why he became a little bit of a cult hero. So, love you, Afara. We miss you very much. Wasn't a great player, but he did have just randomly a fun little memorable, wow, why was this guy so clutch for us season, which I appreciate very much. Next question, though. Uh, next question from at Chris Chapman. Question for Mailbag Monday. Let's say the Padres don't make any other outfield moves. Should Jackson Merrill platoon in center field with a Zokar or develop further down in the farm first? I think, so, Chris, this is a great question, um, and I think this is one of the questions of the offseason, is just how is the outfield going to be built out? I say if they don't make another addition, I think that's probably what's likely. I think that that might be what's determining whether they sign someone, uh, frankly, unless they get, like, a Michael A. Taylor on a one-year, let's say, $6 million deal, uh, which wouldn't be too bad, by the way, because, again, it's just, it's just one year, and he's a really good defensive player, although I prefer Adam Duvall, personally. Um I think that it could be an interesting platoon. Azokar is actually pretty talented defensively. He's very fast. He has good range. He gets to the ball. He tracks it well. He has a decent arm, too. He just can't hit. He's never going to get you more than, like, a single. But he's got some genuine defensive upside, and it's one of the reasons why I thought he should actually... I was campaigning for him to get more at-bats, just because if this guy can be just as talented defensively as Trent Grisham, let's just try out someone who isn't Trent Grisham for once. And, of course, they didn't. Because they really stuck with their um, with with their guns last year. They didn't really change a lot in their lineup very often, which I thought might have been a mistake. They just, in fairness, they were like, well, these are superstars. Like, we know who these guys are, so why are we going to tinker with it and overreact? But I do like if maybe if the Bogarts thing is any sign that this team is going to try out different combinations and whatnot. I think that that would make sense. I wouldn't worry too much about... Um, the reps necessarily, but I think that Merrill, it's not just about him, this question. 
Um, it could also be Grant Pauly. It could also be Jacob Marcy. They have Jerickson Profar now. He could play left, um, although he fits more as a fourth outfielder on this team. So that's that's what I would say. Number one, yes, I could see a platoon, and I think a Zocar would be a fine guy to have as your your other guy. But it, it all depends on what happens in the spring training, whether or not he makes the roster. And maybe it's Marcy, right? If it means that you bring up him at center field, if you bring up Pauly at center field for some reason, then maybe Merrill goes down and he gets more reps in the minor league. So it all depends on spring. This is why I'm so excited about the spring, frankly, because I think there's all these sort of questions and storylines going forward. But I don't mind that as a platoon because I think that it would give you defensive upside in Azokar and offensive upside in Merrill, um, at least until he figures out the position a little bit better. And there's not too much pressure because you have an Azokar-like player uh, to potentially put out there. And frankly, that's just all they have. So it's not like they have any other options that they don't sign out of their outfield. But thank you so much, sir, for the question. Appreciate you listening. And I hope I sufficiently answered the question or whatnot. Um, this one I just got this morning from at Nico P195. Uh, basically, just to reiterate my, my bit, get back on my soapbox. I would rather re-sign Kim. When I look at it, who can we get that's more valuable than Kim? Now, if you're talking about Soto return, okay. So if you're referring to, like, if we get a Soto-like return for Hassan Kim, first of all, that's not going to happen. Um, but you could still get a lot from him. He's highly coveted. And again, I'm not totally sure that this report about them wanting to extend them isn't them saying, hey, yeah, teams, we have it's you have to come to us because we are totally fine with extending this guy. We're not, we don't have to trade him, right? Which is a leverage thing. Um, I would say, though, I've said this before, ostensibly you could be getting Jake Cronenworth in the trade. In a way, again, I must reiterate, Jake Cronenworth, outside of last year, was a four-win player two years in a row, including the year when his bat went down. He is a very talented defensive player, too. 4.2 F4 in 2021 and 2022, 1.6 in just 54 games in uh, 2020, and then he goes offensively, he, he loses a step, and he's struggling with a new position. I just don't think that that's a coincidence. I really don't, and I think that getting him back essentially as a return could be really cool. Two defensive runs saved um, at second base um, last year and four outs above average and one defensive run saved and one out above average last year in the limited time that he did play at second base. So I'm just throwing it out there like he's a capable defender and even a really good one at times. Um, I actually like him at first base too, but I think you could get more production and that's just where he's more comfortable. So I think that's a big part of it. And I brought up Lamont Mood before. Um, as just a, a, an idea of what the team should be looking for because Lamont Wade can play outfield and he can play first base. So that would give you DH options. That would give you more roster flexibility, more lineup flexibility. And maybe you get some Giants prospects in return for a guy who is entering free agency next year. Lamont Wade, you would have in control for another year. And like I said, with Cronenworth, gives you an, a, an ability to potentially uh, salvage that contract. So that's where I'm, I am on it. I'm not going to be mad if they extend Kim. I just think that it shows, once again, we're in the same area. Like, let's wait a little bit. Let's be patient and not just snag everything that looks shiny and bright right in front of us. Because, just to give you an example, everyone was yelling about me um, online, actually, a little bit too, and on this podcast that they were like, well, they need to sign Castellanos. And what did they do? They waited, they waited, boom, Juan Soto's available. Things happen. Things are fluid. Things are constantly changing in baseball. Keep that in mind. And, and you don't even necessarily know yet. You can't project everything. What if all of a sudden, you know... Mike Trout's available. You know what I mean? Like, the, I'm just saying, like, these things change. And Mike Trout's getting paid a lot, too, so that doesn't fully fit my argument. But even still, you catch my drift. Last comment 
from my longtime listener, longtime Twitter friend, whose name I have still not mastered. So he simply told me to refer to him as his Australian friend. Shouts to you, sir. You know who you are. Question for you for a future Padres show. If the Padres players became NFL players, where would you put them? Inspired by a photo of Tatis throwing a football. Very cool. I know that photo, too. That was good. I think I used that as a tweet one year as, like, a happy um, kickoff or something like that. Um, This is a great question. So, for right now, here's what I've got. At quarterback, I have Tatis. For the aforementioned reasons you just mentioned, picture of him throwing football. It could have been Musgrove. I think Musgrove has, like, a big, nice quarterback body, can move around. He's got a little bit of that, like, tall tower that's really hard to tackle and bring down in the pocket vibe to him. But... I like Tatis's dual threat ability. The fact that he could become a running quarterback similar to, say, Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray was going to be a star uh, baseball player, and then he went football for obvious reasons. He was first overall pick. And, you know, so that's why I see about Tatis. Um, for some defensive end defensive linemen, AJ Morejon, look, he has the power with the fastball. So why not have the power at the line? I want him crushing people, ladies and gentlemen. As one of the two wide receivers, Zaner Bogarts, just solid athlete, fast Decently tall enough. I think he could be a solid wide out. Um, and he moves around in the infield a bunch. Jake Cronenworth as like a slot wide receiver. So like little intermediate routes, not necessarily the deep guy. And I know, again, it's not like Bogarts is huge enough to be that guy. But I don't know if there's like a huge titan on this team. Although I will say there was this is prospect for the Padres. I forgot his name, but he's like, he throws like 106 and he's a titan. He looks amazing. I forgot what his name is, but it's a really cool name. He could potentially be a wide receiver. Well, I mentioned, uh, yeah, defensive lineman. I've got Mordejon as one of them. As the tight end, I have Joe Musgrove. So while he's not the quarterback, I could see him being a good blocker. He seems like he's a team player. He'll block for you sometimes, and he'll go buck wild on offense the other time, catching those big passes across the middle that you need a big body for. So I see that. Either as a punt returner or the running back, I have Hassan Kim. Um, look, he doesn't have the, the, the uh, what's it called, the the football player makeup. And I'm not saying that for some reasons you might think I'm saying. I'm saying more that he's 5'9". <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not necessarily like I see him as the quarterback or that I see him as a receiver or anything like that. But could he be a running back similar to like a Darren Sproles? Google him if you don't know him. Short guy, but who was vicious and would like squeeze through the holes and find a way. I could see that. And I could also see him as a punt returner who potentially takes those back. But more primarily as a running back in the mold of a Darren Sproles. Go look up Darren Sproles highlights. He was a beloved player for a while. Um, Linebacker, I've got Machado. Um, Ryan Weathers would have been perfect here too. Ryan Weathers feels like he would have been an awesome football player. He just lumbers around like, I don't know, he just looks like a freak athlete. But Manny... He's the captain of the team, so he's going to be captain of the defense. That's how it's got to go. Um, and then lastly, some other ones. Head coach, I've got you, Darvish. Feels like he'd have just great sideline posture and just look super cool. He would just stand there and look out into the horizon. And then he would he would go with this with his fingers. He would he put some combination, and all of a sudden they'd score a touchdown in the next play. I think you, Darvish, would be great as a head coach. Again, for the, primarily the posture. Offensive coordinator, Jerks and Profar, mostly a curator of vibes. And the offense, you need to do that with guys like Hassan Kim and Xander Bogarts and Fernando Tatis Jr. as your main offensive people. Same thing for Musgrove, so I think he'd be great there. And defensive coordinator, Campizano, because he already is basically a defensive coordinator on the team. So that's what I've got. Um, there's plenty of other positions, but I didn't want to get too deep in the weeds on it because this is a baseball podcast after all. But thank you. 
my Australian goat for um, messaging me that. That was really fun. So, shouts to that country. Shouts to football country here in the States. We're all the same. You know what I mean? And with that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. In terms of the future of this podcast, might be doing a crossover Lockdown Orioles host Connor Newcomb this week, talking about Anthony Santander. Going to be talking about the free agency class next year. I mean, it's a little bit relevant to what we talked about earlier about ownership. So going to be talking about that as well. Going to be talking about potential opening day lineups. Going to be talking about... I don't know, ranking the Padres, you know, looking at old takes, old players the Padres are interested in. There's a lot of fun to still be had on this show, guys. Believe you me. And I still think a signing's coming. I still think there's another deal incoming. So be prepared for that and keep it here on Lockdown Padres because we will cover all things Padres. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. <laughs>